This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up. This is Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning here on KGMI. Thanks for being with us. Wealth advisor, certified financial planner, credit investment fiduciary, all those nice titles. Let's start out today talking about a plow horse with shin splints. Our position on the economy has been that the U.S. is headed for a recession. We're not quite there yet. Nothing in all the recent data report changes our minds. Look for a recession to start in the second half of 23, with some possibility of starting earlier next year, and some possibility that it'll delay itself until early 24. Until then, expect mediocre economic growth. We call the recovery after the financial panic with the Great Recession in 08-09 the plow horse economy. Real GDP growth averaged 2.2% annualized in the eight years after that recession ended. That was very slow by historical standards, and we think it was due to a large expansion in the size and scope of government. The bigger the government, the smaller the private sector, creating slower real growth. It's hard to tease out the underlying pace of growth so far in the current recovery because of the nature of COVID-related shutdowns. However, it looks like real GDP growth will be roughly a half a percent this year. That would be the fourth quarter of last year to the fourth quarter of this year. And it'll be slower than any calendar year without a recession since the end of World War II. Call it a plow horse with shin splints. The description of the economy might surprise some investors, particularly given the robust increase in payrolls. But we think many journalists, analysts, and investors misrepresented the employment report, which wasn't as strong as the headline. Yes, payrolls rose at a very solid 263,000 in November, but the most important data point each month is a change in the total number of private sector hours worked, which declined to tenths of 1% for the month. That's the equivalent of losing about 250,000 jobs. Total hours worked are up a modest 1.1% annual rate in the last three months, signaling slower job growth ahead. The Latin Fed's GDP Now model suggests that real GDP growth at a 2.8% annual rate in the fourth quarter, but we think growth is very likely going to fall short of that pace. We're penciling in growth at only at about a 1.5% annual rate. Instead, in particular, look for the trade sector, which was the key behind more rapid growth in the third quarter, to be a major drag on growth in the final quarter of the year. And another report we're concerned about is the upward creep in continuing jobless claims. Continuing claims averaged 1.363 million in the four weeks ending the 1st of October. But in the four weeks ending the 19th of November, they averaged 1.539 million. A jump like that is not at the end of the world, nor does it show that we're in a recession already. But it probably signals that the low point in the unemployment rate is behind us at 3.5%, and is another reason to think that job growth will be slower in the months ahead. The factory sector in particular is showing early signs of softness, with the ISM Manufacturing Index coming in at 49 for November, which is the first sub-50 reading since the early days of COVID. Yet the ISM Services Sector Index came in at 56.5, reflecting a catch-up from all service closures behind COVID. And if you want to weave a negative story, you have the data to do it with. But it's important to look at a full range of reports and not get captured up by your own narrative. Some key parts of the economy remain solid. For example, sales of medium and heavy trucks were up 11.4% in November versus a year ago. Usually this measure goes negative at least several months before a recession starts. So put it all together and you have a weak economy that's still growing but showing signs of wear and tear. A plow horse with shin splints. Stay tuned. Rougher times are ahead. 
A recession is still in the future, but it's not happening today. So let's take a look at our global roundup for the week. And we found that global equities fell on the week amid slowing growth and dwindling optimism over the potential for a dovish pivot by the U.S. Federal Reserve. The yield on the U.S. 10-year Treasury note declined four basis points to 3.53%, while the price of a barrel of West Texas intermediate oil crude slumped $9 to $72.50 from a week ago. Volatility as measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, rose to $22.50 from $20.50 last Friday. And global macro news. Investors keep an eye on the calendar with only a few weeks left in the year. Investors are cautiously waiting two of the most important rain-raining U.S. macro data points, the U.S. Consumer Price Index reading for November, which will be released Tuesday, and the conclusion of the December FOMC meeting, which will occur Wednesday. After peaking at 9.1% year-over-year in June, the CPI has edged lower four out of the last five months, and economists expect a further decline to 7.3% from the 7.7% level in October. Core inflation is expected to fall to 6.1% in November from October 6.3%, and markets expect the Fed to raise rates next week by a half a percent to between four and a quarter and four and a half percent, and eagerly wait await its so-called dot plot, which illustrates policymakers' rate expectations along with their economic projections. On Thursday of this week, the European Central Bank and the Bank of England meet. Both of them are expected to hike rates by a half a point. And the Fed pushes back on dovish perceptions. Markets gave back some of their big gains made last week after comments from Fed Chair Jerome Powell were taken as dovish. The catalyst for the bulk of the retracement was an article in the Wall Street Journal on Monday pushing back against last week's rise in asset prices, which said officials could continue lifting rates to higher levels than the market currently expects due to elevated wage pressures. The article also noted that Powell told associates that he hasn't changed his view that the bigger mistake the Fed could make would be to do little to control inflation rather than too much. And we're seeing China's lifting more COVID restrictions after rallying sharply largely in anticipation for relaxation of China's harsh COVID restrictions. Markets have retrenched a bit in recent days as increased mobility has bought a rising number of cases suggesting that China faces a difficult winter ahead on the public health front. And while economic activity should rebound from its depressed levels, it may take several months or quarters before a degree of normality returns as the natural immunity levels and vaccination rates rise. Indeed, a former deputy chief of China's Center of Disease Control and Prevention, Feng Zhejiang, estimates that 80 to 90 percent of the Chinese population will eventually contract COVID. In recent days, a surge in fresh cases has caused a shortage of medical supplies in Beijing, the Financial Times reported on Thursday. And weak economic backdrop is rising inventory sent oil to years low. West Texas intermediate crude oil futures fell to 71.10 a barrel on Thursday, which is the lowest level of 22, more than erasing the gains made after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Rising U.S. inventories, weak global growth, and fading hopes that China's reopening will go smoothly help send the commodity lower this week. The belief that the U.S. Department of Energy could begin to refill its strategic petroleum reserve could cushion significant further downward price action. Early this week, OPEC kept its output steady. And cuts to U.S. earnings estimates accelerate. According to FactSet Research, during the months of October and November, analysts lowered earnings per share estimates of the S&P 500 companies for the first quarter by a larger margin than average. The fourth quarter bottom-up ESP estimate, which is aggregation of the median ESP estimates for the fourth quarter for all companies in the index, decreased by 5.6% to $54.58 from $57.79 from September 30th to November 30th. The county here with you with Wolf Wake Up. We'll be right back. You go to great lengths to keep your carpet clean. Kids, get out of the living room. You spend your days scolding loved ones. Honey, take your shoes off. Trying to create an invisible shield to keep all the dirt and stains out. Welcome to our home. And just please stay on the plastic, okay? 
from summer's barbecue stains to your kids' dirty cleats. Call Swans today or visit them online at swanscarpetcleaning.com. Enjoy your retirement at Meadow Greens, a retirement community offering warm, welcoming, independent, and assisted living apartments. Located on a premier golf course in beautiful Linden with panoramic views of green rolling hills and snow-capped mountains, Meadow Greens offers a fitness center, wellness programs, tailored social and recreational activities, and complimentary unlimited golf play with cart at Homestead Golf Club. One- and two-bedroom apartments with full kitchens are available, offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a more social meal at the Outward Nine Restaurant or the Duck Hook Bistro. Then relax with a glass of wine with friends or cozy up next to the fireplace with a good book in the library lounge. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. Staying connected with your community each Saturday at noon with KGMI's Community Connection as local business leaders share their expert advice. Sponsored by Vibrant USA, Pacific Security, Lighthouse Mission Ministries, Feller Heating and Air Conditioning, and Columbia Fire. Community Connection, Saturdays at noon on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. Going to continue on with this week's economic news, but if you want, give us a call. We're asset advisors. We're located out in the Pacific Commerce Center next to Wilson's Furniture. That's out about halfway to Ferndale. And our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Phone number 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com, including going up there and checking on podcasts. You can now find repeats of our radio shows there. And if you check under Insights, you'll see information that our staff back in, in Omaha posts on a regular basis regarding the economic and market outlook and what have you. A lot of good information there. Let's go on with a few quick hits here, though. The Institute for Supply Management, the U.S. Non-Manufacturing Purchaser Managing Index, came in much stronger than expected for November at 56.5, up from 54.4 in October. That survey contrasts sharply with a similar one done by S&P Global that showed the services sector index contracted in November, registering a reading of 46.2. And while holding above the dividing line between expansion and contraction, the business roundtable's quarter U.S. CEO survey declined 11 points to 73, but that's down from a peak of 123.5 in the fourth quarter of last year. And the Bank of Canada and the Reserve Bank of Australia each raised rates this week. The Bank of Canada hiked a half percentage point to four and a quarter percent. The Royal Bank of Australia by a quarter point, the Reserve Bank of Australia, I should say, by a quarter point to 3.1 percent. And, of course, U.S. Senator Raphael Warnock defeated former football star Herschel Walker in a runoff election in Georgia, ostensibly giving the Democrats a 51 to 49 majority in the upper chamber. However, late Thursday, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema announced that she will leave the Democratic Party and become an independent, though she'll continue to caucus with the Democrats. And U.S. used car prices, a major contributor to inflation due to supply chain disruptions early in the pandemic, have fallen 14% from the peak, according to the Mannheim Index. Russian President Vladimir Putin warned this week that the risk of nuclear war is rising, while calling Russia's nuclear arms a deterrent, Putin stopped short of pledging not to be the first to use them. And Japan's economy contracted less than expected in the third quarter, declining eight-tenths of one percent on an annualized rate for the prior quarter. In continuing U.S. job claims have climbed 27 percent from a cycle low in May, another sign that the U.S. recession may be near. 
Bowing to pressures from the United States, the Netherlands is expected to improve controls of its export of chip-making equipment to China in early 2023, according to Bloomberg News. And European Central Bank Chief Economist Philip Lane said this week that more interest rate hikes are needed, but a lot has been done. Lane added that he's confident that inflation is near its peak. And according to UBS, announcements of companies that they plan to move production back to the U.S. from overseas jumped 20% in the third quarter, and they are up 150% in 2019. And U.S. labor costs were revised lower in the third quarter to 2.4% from an initial reading of 3.5% as non-farm productivity rebounded 8 tenths of 1%, up from the preliminary 3 tenths of 1% estimate. And the U.S. producer price index rose three-tenths of one percent month-over-month in November, faster than October's two-tenths of one percent pace, while core PPI rose four-tenths of one percent, up from one-tenth of one percent in October. We'll give you more information on those reports here in a second. So let's go ahead and talk about that producer price index. And peak inflation is likely behind us. But the above consensus, three-tenths of one percent rise in producer prices, is yet another sign that the Fed's job is not done. Yes, producer prices have been rising at a more modest pace over the last three to six-month periods, but prices remain up 7.4% in the past year, well ahead of the Fed's 2% target for inflation. And after declining in July and showing no change in August on the back of lower energy costs, producer prices have now risen three-tenths of one percent in each of the last three months, with food and energy prices continuing to experience large swings. Outside of these typically volatile food and energy categories, core producer prices rose four-tenths of one percent in November. Consensus had expected a rise of two-tenths of one percent. And as been noted in other economic reports, there's a shift taking place from the good side of the economy back towards the services that many moved away from during COVID. And this held true in the report with services costs rising four-tenths of one percent, led by final demand trade services, which measures margins received by wholesalers, while goods rose in more than modest one-tenth of one percent. And producer prices may very well have peaked in a year-ago basis back in March, but it will not be a swift return to the Fed's target of 2% annual inflation. We expect the path towards normal will be far stickier than most anticipate as the economy continues to absorb the massive surge in M2 measure of money that the Fed rejected and injected in the 2021. Well, there's plenty of prognostication around that the Fed will do and what it means for the economy and the markets moving forward. What matters most is that inflation continues to run well above the Fed's target. Expect a half a point interest rate increase at the Fed's meetings this week, along with guidance that the Fed is prepared to continue raising rates in 23. The path ahead to tame inflation will test the Fed's resolve, and let's hope that they're up to the task. In another recent news on the employment front, initial unemployment claims rose 4,000 last week to 230,000, while continuing claims rose 62,000 to 1.671 million. Notably, in the past 10 weeks, continuing claims are up 325,000. Combined, these figures suggest that job growth remains positive, but it will slow substantially sometime in the months ahead. And let's look at the October international trade report that came in this week. And the trade deficit in goods and services came in at $78.2 billion in October. As imports grew while exports declined, demand for U.S. goods and services across the globe continues to struggle as a stronger dollar is making U.S. goods more expensive internationally. We like to follow the total volume of trade, which is imports plus exports, which signals how much businesses and consumers interact across the U.S. border. That measure rose by 0.3 billion in October and is up a robust 13.7% versus a year ago. But unfortunately, the large increase in the past year is driven not only by more goods and services, but also higher prices. You need to note that Russia's invasion of Ukraine and COVID restrictions in China, although the latter are potentially easing, may affect trade patterns for some time. The good news is that supply chain problems look to be improving across the board. 
For example, a few weeks ago, Captain Kipp, the executive director of Marine Exchange of Southern California, declared that container ship backup was finally ended. After 25 months, things are finally back to normal at the ports of L.A. and Long Beach. In some cases, weights have just shifted to other ports, but daily freight rates are also falling rapidly as demand has also weakened. A large part of this is due to a collapse in manufacturing orders in China, which was led by a 21% decline in total vessel container volume between August and November, according to supply chain research from Project 44. Also notable in the report, the dollar value of U.S. petroleum exports exceeded imports. So far this year, U.S. petroleum exports have exceeded imports in seven of nine months. But exports of U.S. crude oil and refined products continue to hover near record highs, meaning that much of the release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is just flowing overseas, which doesn't make any sense at all. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back in a second. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. Bringing the world to Whatcom County and Northwest Washington. The People's Republic of China. They're launching the first pieces of their own space station. The John Batchelor Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 10. They're going to use what they learn in, in constructing this station and having people live on it to plan their uh, manned interplanetary shift and to do it as quickly as possible. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Generosity pays, and West Edge Credit Union wants to encourage a little generosity. Now through the end of the year, receive an extra quarter point discount off your interest rate on any car, truck, or motorcycle loan from West Edge, and no payments for 90 days when you donate $25 to a local charity. Now that's a win-win. Offer valid through December 31st on approved credit. See West Edge for details. West Edge Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA, on the corner of James and Alabama. Online at westedgecu.org. With us is Mark Maiden from Capstone Physical Therapy, winner of Best of the Northwest. Mark, I understand you've been a hand therapy specialist for over 25 years. What exactly does a hand therapist do? Our hands are critical to daily life, and when they get injured from trauma or overuse, our quality of life is affected. I work with doctors and surgeons to maximize hand recovery and get people back to life and the activities they enjoy most. What types of injuries do you treat? I've helped thousands of patients with tendonitis, sprains, fractures, dislocations, arthritis, basically anything that leads to hand pain or dysfunction. Any tips for our listeners? If you're experiencing hand or wrist pain or loss of function, seek attention early. Knowing what you have and what to do can lead to a faster recovery. Capstone Physical Therapy is a preferred provider with Kaiser Regents Medicare, LNI, and most other insurance plans. Visit CapstonePT.com today to get back to life and the activities you enjoy most. This is Heidi Person, General Manager of the Cascade Radio Group, with a look at some good news in our community that we like to call the upside. This holiday season, Brown and Brown of Linden's 11th Annual Turkey Drive provided 264 turkeys to Whatcom County families in need. An estimated 3,400 pounds of turkey were distributed by Bellingham Food Bank and Linden-based Project Hope Food Bank. The turkeys were purchased with $2,000 from Brown & Brown Insurance, $1,615 from Brown & Brown team members who held a bake sale and luncheon, and $3,010 from community members and businesses. These turkeys provide healthy, protein-rich meals for so many local families in need, said Bobby Green of Brown & Brown of Linden. The Upside is brought to you from a grant provided by Bayside Coin and Jewelry. Bayside has great gifts for men and women, ranging from a large diamond selection to high-end watches. Bayside Coin and Jewelry, located in the Iowa Business Park. If you have good news to report, email it to us at theupside at cascaderadiogroup.com. Okay, you only have one minute to tell anyone who's listening the most important thing there is to know. What would you say? How would you say it? And why would you say it? Because it's important, right? Yes, it's important, and too often we forget to say 
thank you. I didn't always say thank you, but something changed, and I don't know how or why. And that's why I'm saying thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for my wife, for my family and friends, CTK Community Church, and for all my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for the teachers who educate our children, the servicemen and women who protect our country, and thank you to the thousands of workers in our community who go out every day and do their jobs. This year, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, let's give thanks for the gift that God himself gave us, the gift of his son who died on the cross so that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from all of us at D&D Insurance. Eat for the holidays. You can't get a warmer gift than that. For the seventh year in a row, KGMI is proud to team up with West Mechanical, your independent trained dealer, to give that gift to two needy local families. West Mechanical will give each family a brand new train furnace. Then you can help. If you know a struggling family, just go to heatfortheholidays.com. Tell their story and they could win one of two train furnaces. Make the holidays warm for two families with Heat for the Holidays. Find a link at kgmi.com. And remember, it's hard to stop a train. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Don't worry about your furnace on the coldest days of the year. Talk with West Mechanical, your independent train dealer, about replacing your old inefficient furnace with a train comfort system. Today, find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick here with you this Sunday morning. Going to continue on with November's uh, economic reports. And we have the November Institute of Supply Management Non-Manufacturing Index report that also came in this week. And the two November ISM reports were a great display of the divergence in the U.S. economy between goods and service sectors. The ISM Manufacturing Index fell into contraction territory in November for the first time since the pandemic shutdowns. Meanwhile, the ISM Services Index beat expectations, coming in at a hearty 56.5, with 13 of 18 industries reporting growth. If you look at the details of the report, the Business Activity Index jumped to 64.7 from 55.7 in October. If you combine that with forward-looking counterpart of no orders, both indexes remain comfortably in expansion territory as we close out 2022. It's clear that businesses and consumers are continuing to shift resources away from goods and towards the still reopening services sector. But keep in mind that pre-pandemic services made up roughly 69% of consumer spending. That number fell to 65% during the depths of the pandemic as people stopped going to concerts, movies, restaurants, etc. Now, as of the quarter three, that number has risen to 66%. So we expect to see continued growth in the service sector in the months ahead as spending continues to shift back to the pre-pandemic status quo. In terms of details, the employment index broke into expansion territory as survey comments continue to reiterate the supply, not demand, is what is holding back jobs from moving higher. Finally, the prices paid index ticked down to a still elevated 70 and while prices seem to be rising at a slower pace in some areas, inflation still exists, and it's clear that inflation is still a major problem in the service sector, with 16 industries reporting paying higher prices in November. We expect the service sector to keep inflation trending well above the Fed's 2% target for some time, and for now, the service sector remains a source of strength in the U.S. economy. Expected to continue to do most of the heavy lifting as we return back to pre-pandemic status quo. Okay, away from those November reports, let's talk about some tax planning strategies. We have four of them we're going to discuss here. If you're feeling deflated by several months of soaring inflation, investment market losses, interest rate hikes, there's still time to save money on taxes with year-end tax planning strategies. So here are four proactive planning moves that can help you lower your 2022 tax bill. Number one, we've talked about this a lot, but consider doing a Roth IRA conversion. 
the recent stock and bond market decline has made the Roth IRA conversion more attractive for those who are well positioned to leverage this strategy in a historically low tax rate environment. A market downturn permits investors to convert a larger portion of an IRA and enjoy tax-free growth as well as possible tax-free distributions in the future. Inside the Roth IRA with eventual stock market recovery, another Roth conversion incentive is to lower tax bill as the liability for conversion will be cheaper now than it had been when the markets are elevated. So again, what we're saying here, take advantage of that drop in the account value, convert it while it's down when you're going to pay less taxes on it. That money, hopefully the markets are going to turn around, will go up and it will go up on a tax-free basis. So if you're considering converting some or all of your traditional IRA to a Roth, conversions must be out of the pre-tax IRA by December 31st of this year. And since there are many potential unintended consequences, such as Medicare premium and capital gains rates that increases that may come with extra income, we talked about that on yesterday's show, you need to consider this when you're doing Roth conversions. You need expert advice against this strategy in the absence of a complete set of facts. Again, that's something we can help you with as are trying to sit down and calculate whether or not a Roth conversion is beneficial in your situation. And if you're going to do a bunch of gifts, you may consider bunching gifts or also maybe possibly using a donor advice fund. Investors still desire to make charitable gifts despite economic concerns. And with $12,950 of standard deduction for single filers and $25,900 for deduction for married couples filing together for this year, many taxpayers will not itemize write-offs, making it more challenging to claim a deduction for charitable donations. So if you're unable to itemize and you want to do charitable donations, one option is to bunch those up, or like I said, use a donor advice fund. And if you give yearly, you may think about bunching these donations, as I mentioned, which is a beneficial way for donors to minimize their taxes and maximize their philanthropic impact. So consider establishing a donor advice fund, which enables you to make gifts immediately qualify for the charitable tax deduction, and then give grants to IRS-qualified 501c3 public charities over time. The most tax-effective manner to fund a donor advice fund is by contributing highly appreciated publicly traded stocks. There's a greater benefit to charitably donating profitable securities than cash, as you avoid paying capital gains taxes you would otherwise owe when selling assets to fund the donation. And donating appreciated securities to a donor advice fund has become a beneficial way for donors to minimize their taxes and to maximize their philanthropic impact. Second or third, I guess, is save money, tax money with charitable donations from IRAs. We talk a lot about doing qualified charitable distributions, but a direct transfer to qualified charities from your IRA, it has an impactful strategy to save money on taxes. If you're over age 70 and a half, you can utilize QCDs to donate up to $100,000 each year. And for individuals 72 or older, a significant positive of using QCD strategy is that you can satisfy your IRA required minimum distributions by directly donating up to that $100,000 RMD amount limit to charity from an IRA, paying no tax on what would have been distributed and then taxed as ordinary income. You need to be mindful that you cannot obtain a double tax break by taking QCD and receiving an itemized deduction for charitable gifts. What we're saying is you cannot do QCDs and turn around and itemize that gift and take a deduction that way. You need to be careful on that one. So rather than counting as an itemized deduction, QCDs for those taking RMDs may lower your adjusted income. So if you have to do an RMD, you give a QCD, that amount that you have uh, taken and given to charity is going to lower your taxable RMD amount, which can possibly help you avoid Medicare premium increases as well. So there's some planning in there. We have a program. We can help run those numbers for you to help see what the impact is of doing QCDs and what impact it would have on your taxable income and also what impact it would have on your taxation of your Medicare premiums, etc. Also, you can withhold taxes from your year-end RMD, so there's still time to avoid later penalties. 
that for some retirees who have not made their quarterly estimated payments for this year. So retirees need to make tax payments four times a year if they're not withholding enough from self-employment income, investments, Social Security, pensions, or other guaranteed income sources. But there's an opportunity for retirees to avoid penalties for missed payments by withholding taxes from their year-end RMD. For instance, let's say you need to withdraw $50,000 from an IRA by year-end to fulfill your RMD amount for this year. Well, you can estimate your year's total federal and state tax liability and withhold the funds from your RMD. If you gauge that you'll owe $4,000 in taxes to meet your quarterly estimated tax obligations, you could choose to withhold that amount, sending it to the IRS, and receive the same, 40, same remaining $46,000 withdrawal. Notably, if you complete this withholding by December 31st, it is considered pro rata for each quarter, meaning it counts as on-time payments made by each deadline. Again, you need to consult your qualified tax professional to figure out how much you need to withhold from your IRA or RMD in order to avoid those late penalties. But that is one strategy that may make sense for a lot of people. Something to think about real quickly there. I'm going to give you a quick summary here talking about IRAs. You know, basically, how are your 23 RMDs calculated for beneficiaries who got RMD relief? And we talked about quite a bit about this, about the rules that were issued, IRS Notice 2253 earlier this year. But the IRS recently said it would waive that 50% penalty on RMDs that were missed for 21 and 22 for IRA beneficiaries, specifically IRA beneficiaries that are subject to the 10-year payout who inherited an IRA in either 20 or 21. And although the notice is not clear, it appears that beneficiaries are not required to take RMDs for years that the penalty waiver applies to. However, as things stand now, the grace period will end in 23. So even beneficiaries who benefited from the IRS's generosity will be subject to the 50% penalty if they don't take their 23 RMD by December 31st of next year. So how will the 23 RMD and future RMDs be calculated if the beneficiary didn't take their RMDs for 21 and 22 with, a, say, a 2020 death or for 2022 with a 2021 death? Well, first of all, the 10-year period remains the same, meaning it will still end on 1231 of the year of the 10th anniversary of the original IRA owner's death. Second, the 2023 RMD will be determined using a life expectancy as if the RMD for 21 and 22 were taken, even if it weren't. So let's give you an example. Aaron died in 2020 at age 82. He left his traditional IRA to his daughter Zoe at age 55. Zoe is a non-eligible designated beneficiary, so she's subject to that 10-year payout rule. Well, Aaron died after his RMD required beginning date. So without the recent IRS guidance, Zoe would have been subject to a 50% penalty if she didn't receive an RMD for 21, the first year of the 10-year payout period, and a penalty if she doesn't take her 2022 RMD, which would be the second year of the 10-year payout. Well, let's assume Zoe doesn't take her RMDs for either 21 or 22. Zoe's 10-year payout period remains the same, so she must simply empty the inherited IRA at 1231 of 2030, and she must receive annual RMDs for years 3 through 9 of the 10-year period starting next year. The 2023 RMD will be calculated as if she did take her 21 and 22 RMDs. The 21 RMD would have been the 1231 balance of 20 of the inherited IRA divided by 28.7. The life expectancy of the 56-year-old under the old IRS single life expectancy tables. The 22 RMD would be have been the 1231-21 balance divided by 29.6, which is the is arrived by resetting the life expectancy, determining the expectancy of a 56-year-old under the new tables that started this year. And so Zoe's 23 RMD will be the 1231-22 balance. In other words, we will take the balance as of the end of this year, and we'll divide that by 28.6. So it's 29.6. For last year, it's 28.6. So it's 29.6 minus 1. And that's the life expectancy that would be applied for 22, subtracting again by 1. 
and so for 24, a 27.6 life expectancy is used, and so on. So 29.6, 28.6, 27.6, and then we get out here to that final year in 2030, the balance, the balance has to be taken out. But the fact that Zoe chose not to take RMDs for 21 and 22 is simply ignored. Of course, all this could change again, and when we get final regulations, we're going to keep you posted on that, but we have to work with what we have. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. At Western Solar, we believe that integrity and craftsmanship are foundational to everything that we do. It's who we are and why we back up that statement with something tangible so that you know we're invested in the quality of your installation. We guarantee for 25 years that if your equipment fails, we will replace it at no cost. We also guarantee that your solar panels will generate at least 92% of their rated capacity 25 years from the day they're installed. We can commit to these guarantees because we invest in our employees and we recognize the quality of their work. In fact, we're continuing to grow and looking to hire, train, and invest in new team members. We provide the most comprehensive warranty coverage in the area because integrity and craftsmanship guide our every decision. We strongly believe that when we invest in our employees, they invest in our customers, and the community wins. Stop by our office on Home Road in Bellingham to meet our team, and you'll see why that for almost two decades we've been installing clean energy, investing in our community, and loving what we do. Western Solar at westernsolarinc.com. Worried your holiday gifts will be cluttering up a corner by New Year's? This year, give a gift they'll never forget with treasures from Bellingham Coin Shop. Discover unique jewelry that you won't find in any other jewelry store, vintage outfits you can't find at the mall, original art prints, classic collectibles, and more. Wow your friends and family with one-of-a-kind items they'll be proud to show off through this new year and all the rest. Come find your hidden treasures by visiting us at the Bellingham Coin Shop on Cornwall Avenue in Bellingham and at bellinghamcoin.com. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning here on KGMI. Dick Donahue, Wealth Advisor, with you. And you got questions for us, you can always give us a call, 360-733-1200. Let's do a quick refresher here. If you've got multiple plans, let's talk a little bit about what your contribution limits can be. And if you've probably heard, the IRS has announced that the IRA and Workplace Plan Contribution Limits for 2023. And because most of these limits are tied to inflation, many increase substantially. Among the big jumps were the elective deferral for 401ks and other workplace plans from $20,500 to $22,500. That's an increase of $2,000. And you actually can put away overall plan contributions of up to $61,000. And that number will jump from $61,000 to $66,000. So these two limits work. How are they interacting? How are they confusing? Especially if you have multiple plans at the same time. Or you change jobs in the middle of the year. So let's talk about this. The elective deferral limit covers the total pre-tax and Roth contributions you make to all your plans in one year. Those contributions are combined even if the Plans are sponsored by companies that aren't considered to be related under tax rules. The 2023 limit is $22,500. If you're age 50 or older, by the end of the year, you can defer an additional additional $7,500 for a total of $30,000. Let's give you an example. The white age 35 has a regular job with Dunder Mifflin. Sponsors a 401k plan, also has a full 401k through his beet farm side business. Dunder and his side business are unrelated entities. Even so, the most the white can put away between the two plans for 2023 is $22,500. But two other important points about the elective deferral limit. After-tax non-Roth contributions, if allowed by the plan, don't count towards the limit. And if you're eligible for both 457 plan or either a 401k or a 403b plan, you can actually defer up to the maximum limit in each plan. So some government employees, some uh, public employees, some nonprofit employees actually have available to them 
457 and a 403B. And the overall limit is sometimes referred to as the annual addition limits or 415 limit. The limit regulates the amount of all contributions, pre-tax deferrals, Roth contributions, and after-tax and non-Roth contribution, employer matching, profit-sharing contributions at any single plan year. For 2023, the overall limit is 66000 or 73500 if you're over age 50 and you're making catch-up contributions. The aggregation rules for overall limit are tricky. Contributions made to all plans maintained by the same company are combined. They're also the case of com- for contributions made by two or more companies considered to be related under tax rules. But if you're in two plans sponsored by companies that aren't related, you can get the benefit of a separate overall limit for each plan. I'll give you a second example. Since Dunder Mifflin and the Beet Farm, from example one, aren't related businesses, they are separate overall limits for Dwight's two plans. Under the right circumstances, and assuming he has the funds, Dwight could theoretically have as much as fifty-six or as much as sixty-six thousand in total contributions for for each plan in two thousand twenty-three. But he'd be limited to not more than twenty-two thousand five hundred of pre-tax deferrals and Roth conversions between the two plans. Got questions about that one? A little confusing? Always happy to answer them. And let's talk also about tax-free Roth distributions and five easy steps. Roth IRAs offer a trade-off when you pay taxes now on your contribution or conversion in exchange for tax-free earnings later. Don't miss out on tax-free Roth distributions by making mistakes. Five steps to follow to make sure your money comes out of your Roth tax-free. One, aggregate aggregate your Roth IRAs. For tax purposes, all your Roth IRAs are considered one Roth account. There is no tax benefit gain by keeping conversion in a separate Roth IRA from your contributions. This is sometimes called the aggregation rule. Step two, follow the ordering rules. Funds leave your Roth IRAs in a certain order. Contributed amounts are distributed first. Converted amounts are distributed next. First in, first out. Last out would be earnings. Number three, Remember, contributions are always available tax and penalty free. Not only do your contributions come out first, in addition, they're always available tax and penalty free. This means if you need to tap your Roth IRA, you can easily assess contributions without adverse tax consequences, regardless of your age, how long you've had the Roth IRA for. Step four avoid penalties on converted funds. Converted funds are always distributed tax free. It makes sense since you already paid taxes when you converted them. However, amounts that were taxable at conversion may be subject to the 10% early penalty if you're under age 59 and a half at the time of the distribution and the conversion was less than five years ago. This five-year clock begins separately for each conversion you do. If, if you are under age 59 and a half, when you take converted dollars, not earnings from your Roth IRA, then you have no worries about this five if if you're over 59 and a half, when you take your converted dollars from not earnings from your Roth IRA, then you have no worry about this five-year clock. Step five, aim for qualified distributions of earnings. Earnings are not subject to tax if the distribution is qualified distribution. Your distribution is qualified if it's made after you've owned the Roth account for five years and you're over age 59 and a half or you're dead or disabled, taking funds for the first time or taking funds for the first time home purchase. The five-year period for qualified distribution earnings can be confusing. It's different than the five-year period for penalty-free distribution of converted funds that we talked about just now. It does not restart with each Roth IRA contribution or conversion. If you contribute a dollar to your Roth IRA in 2017, then in 2020 you converted a million dollar traditional IRA to the, the Roth, then as of January 1st of 22, that's five years from the time you had your first IRA, all the Roth money could be considered to have been held for five years for purposes of determining qualified distributions of earnings. The Roth IRA five-year clock began on the first day of the year in which the first dollar of Roth contributions was made. Very important point to keep in mind. And we have a hard winter that looms for Americans' energy bills and, bo- and wallets. 
you can blame that on President Joe Biden's war on energy and has not reached its peak. Gas prices, of course, remain high. The Biden administration has no workable plan to reduce them. The energy price is visible every time Americans fill up their vehicles. In November, the national average of gallon for regular gas was 3.68 a gallon, up from monthly average of 3.39 a gallon in November of 21. I know gas prices have come down recently, but still higher than what they have been. That's far higher than the average price for most Novembers. It was $2.42 for the five years prior. And many Americans are finding the pain doesn't stop at the pump. The U.S. Energy Information Administration winter fuel forecast projects that American households across the board are going to pay more this winter to heat their homes than last year. And the Energy Information Administration breaks down its projections based on regions in the U.S. Heating sources, for example, the South, where 65% of the homes rely on electricity for heating, are projected to be 13% higher this winter. However, the South may be better off this winter than the rest of the country, which is more dependent on natural gas. Natural gas is used to heat homes only 28% of southern households, 55% of households in the Northeast, 64 in the Midwest, and 53 here in the West. The Energy Information Administration projects heating expenditures for those households to significantly increase in all regions at winter compared with the last winter. 20% in the Northeast, 31% in the Midwest, and up 24% in the West. And high prices are also projected to be the worst for New Englanders, where costs are the highest for energy every source of home heating that the agency tracks. Overall, energy prices have increased by 18% in the last year. Inflation is just 7 almost 8%, a 40-year high. To make matters worse, real average hourly earnings have decreased 2.8%, making it harder for it to meet energy bills. So American households need to hope for a warmer winter in order to reduce energy needs, but hope is not a plan, nor is it an energy policy. And Biden's anti-energy policy only makes things worse. The Biden administration tried to reduce prices with short-term release from strategic petroleum reserve. Biden has received more than a third of the reserve, and the stockpiles are now at 40-year lows. As I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, this last month, uh, we exported more than we imported, but those came from the strategic reserve. None of this makes any sense. Anyway, Americans' energy woes could ease been long-term if Biden would allow American companies to assess the country's abundance of energy. However, the administration made very clear it has no intention of improving Americans' access to oil, natural gas, or coal to meet the 79% of America's total energy needs for heat, power, and transportation. Nuclear energy provides 8% of Americans' energy needs. The renewable sources, such as solar and wind, provide 12%. This has been Dick Donahue with you. With Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. Don't forget our live show at 11 o'clock on Saturday mornings. If you've got questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. Thanks. Have a great voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.